Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello and welcome to The Delicious Podcast with me, Jilly Smith. And this week, 2017 MasterChef winner and junior doctor, Saliha Mahmoud Ahmed, whose new book, Kazana, meaning treasure trove, is a journey of discovery of the Mughal Empire, which inspires the Indo-Persian recipes in the book. I asked her if she would call herself a culinary historian. To be called a historian is actually quite a compliment for me. <laughs> um, I am a lover of the Mughals and I wanted to find out more about their food heritage and the food culture that came from this amazing set of emperors from the 15th to 18th century in India. And I went back to the texts and I was very lucky because the Mughals are amazing at documenting everything. So they have their own books. So each sort of king or emperor had his own way of documenting things. So, for example, the Emperor Akbar had his book called the Aine Akbari, the Emperor Barber had Barbonama, and they love talking about food in these books. Obviously, they're about battle and wealth and, you know, all the things that were happening at the time, but they are also prolific documenters of food and and what they ate, um, which is fascinating. And... Just to get some context, I mean, these people loved food. Yeah, I mean, they did adore food, um, so much so that one of the emperors, um, when he had a watermelon that was transported from Samarkand, which was his native hometown, through to Delhi, and he ate this watermelon and he cried, tears came streaming down his face, and this is, you know, these are people who are warriors, you know, that they are... I, I sort of talk about them being an oxymoron because at the one hand they will build the Taj Mahal for lost love, on the other hand they will be really vicious um, and conquer territory um, and at the same time they have this you know, profound love for food um, you know, they, they transported food from so far afield, they've brought um, water from the river Ganges and ice from the Himalayas down to Delhi, I mean they just used every resource that they had to transport the most fabulous of ingredients to their homes Mm. Um, and it's just so evocative when you think about it and you know we all value food and now in in this day and age it is sort of so easy to get produce you know you can go down to your local um, Indian supermarket and source an array of spices but they were doing things at an altogether different scale um, when you know export wasn't easy Um, And I think when you think about that in a bit of detail and take a step back, you realise how extraordinary they were and how extraordinary their contribution to food was in that region. Yeah. So let's sort of give a a sense of the flavours that you could expect. It's it's Indo-Persian, as as you call it, Mm. but it's it's just... 
geographically, where was the Mughal Empire? Well, it's a good question. We start off in Samarkand, so very much Central Asian territory, and then you move through um, the Persian region and Afghanistan into the north of Pakistan, India, um, parts of Kashmir, and all the way down to the Deccan Sultanates, basically, so towards the south of India. Um, so it's a huge, huge territory mm-hmm. which has a very diverse food culture that yeah. exists. So f- literally already. from very hot to very cold Indeed. in terms of temperature. Indeed, and the Mughals travelled as well. So in hot summers they travelled up to Kashmir to get some relief from the heat. Mm. Um, but really, the Mughals felt that per- they looked to Persians, they looked to Iran as um, uh, the fount of culture and food as well. And one of the emperors actually married a Persian princess, mm. and they took a lot of the Persian food culture, particularly treatment of rice um, with them. And I, I read this beautiful quote um, by a traveller of that time, said, if you want to make a Persian happy, give him a sack of rice. <laughs> and I just loved, I loved that, you know, yes. I just loved it. Yes, and there's a lot about rice, for example. There's a lot about different recipes. But just just to give a sense of the flavours, I mean, I cooked a lot over the weekend and I cooked fennel and pomegranate mm. and there's a lot of honey and chilli flakes and mm. it's actually very light. That's right. It's, it's, it's actually very different to traditional heavily spiced mm. masala-based mm. Indian food as we know it. It's much lighter, much more refreshing. I use ingredients like um, nuts and dried fruit like mm. apricots, barberries, etc. Um, there's a sweet undertone to lots of the dishes, lots of honey, tamarind for tartness, Mm. um, absolutely, lots of saffron. The spicing is there, but quite gentle. Yes. um, And not sort of, you know, blow your head off spicy. Not at all. And how faithful were you to the recipes of the Mughals, or did you interpret them yourself? Uh, I I was faithful to a few of the Mughal recipes, but I'm very clear that Khazana is not... Um, a, a book that looks at recreating those ancient mm. recipes verbatim mm. at all. Um, I wanted to take inspiration from them and to draw upon the influences. For example, they wouldn't have eaten the fennel bulb. Yes, they used the fennel seeds a lot, mm. but I used fennel bulbs in a very exotic sort of salad. So yeah. I extrapolated from concepts that were existing there yes. um, and tried to create something very modern and appropriate for the 21st century. Yes, and the book it sort of sums that up really. Really is the the recipes are very pretty on the plate, but the the book itself is fabulously illustrated with original Mughal uh, paintings, Art. artwork. Yes, that's right. And I, I sort of wanted to steep myself and the reader into that past and the only way you can really do that is to give a bit of an understanding of the architecture of that region um you know how amazing and grand it was we have pictures of the Taj Mahal and other monuments from India in there I've got some of the old artwork in there of of the emperor's feasting as well as staying very true to concept and you know keeping the big food pictures and bringing the food to life with lots of color and light and extravagance um so yeah it's a it's a very interesting dichotomy of old new past present um, love of food then love of food today and just trying to bring everything together in a beautifully illustrated text Mm. now you actually grew up in this country um, but you went on lots of holidays with your parents throughout Mm. your lifetime and you you've covered pretty much this whole territory or so it seems yes and I, I think so much of my past was influenced by those holidays that we had my dad's a really big fan of travel he took us lots of places um, and you know I ate lots of street 
food outside these Mughal monuments. And, you know, although that street food is not technically Mughal, because I created memories of, of that food from the, outside those monuments and regions, um, I have actually made reference to it quite proudly in the book as well. Mm-hmm. Um and I think that's quite appropriate because not just myself, but thousands of other people will have formed food memories like that. Mm. Um, so travelling was very important to me um, and really formed the basis of the book. Yeah, um, yeah I, I don't think I would have been able to write this book had I not had that travel behind mm. me. Tell us about MasterChef, winning MasterChef, um, the first Pakistani mm. chef to win MasterChef. How important was that for you? Sure, it seems like a long time ago now, although it was only 2017. Um, Yeah, it was amazing, really, really amazing. I really um, stuck firm to my um, own particular cooking heritage and style, and I found that I was most successful when I cooked food that I loved and enjoyed. Um, You know, in the final, I made duck with cherries and this frike with barberries, and, you know, that is just quintessential to food that I love. you know, eclectic mix of Middle Eastern and Pakistani and Kashmiri influences that kind of confuses people, but they're like, oh, that, yeah, that kind of works. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it was a, a life-changing opportunity for me because, you know, it is so difficult to write um, cookery books at the moment in a very saturated market. And had I not done MasterChef, I would never have been in the position today. So um, I really have, uh, I have to, to give MasterChef all the credit for giving me the most amazing platform. I'm not so sure. I think you're being a little bit self-deprecating there. I mean, it, it is it is a treasure trove. You have found an extraordinary story and publishers are always after the next thing and particularly Middle Eastern. I mean, if it hadn't been Persian-influenced, I wonder whether it would have hit the publishers quite between the eyes in the way that it did. But as such it is a it's a real winning formula of this modern food set against this very rich history what's next for you well i i am really interested in in food history and i would love to continue writing um in that vein mm. um cookery writing has become such a passion it's sort of an unrealized um it gives me the sense of fulfillment which i had never realized that it would um and it's very pleasing when you be when you can write something that you know other people will get fulfillment from and happiness from um it's quite a satisfying feeling so for me um i very much view my future in in sort of literary circles and being able to write much more um and i do have some food history ideas for the future but i just have to stay a little bit quiet about them for now um but of course everybody will find out in due course i would love also to be able to bring some of this food history to life in the future um, in the form of television. I think it would be so amazing to be able to um, give more of an audio-visual light um, to some of the work that I've done in Kazana. Thanks for listening to The Delicious Podcast. I'll be back next week with more stories from behind the world of Delicious magazine. I'll see you then.
Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 